So this morning, we are going to continue in the sermon series that Pastor David started last week, where we're looking at our, um, our values and, and who we are, our, our identity. Um, and we're going to talk about ministry today. So if you were to go to our website, and for those of you who are online, you could actually do this right now, and you would scroll around, you'd see a tab that says who we are. And under that tab, you'd find uh, one of these, this statement among, among three It says, we desire to proclaim the kingdom, evangelism, to demonstrate the kingdom, compassion, mercy, and justice, and to participate in the kingdom through prayer. And it goes on to talk about our desires, our desires as they relate to uh, loving our neighbor and community. Um, And this can be found under the value of the kingdom. This is how we understand what it means to value the kingdom. Evangelism, our way of demonstrating the kingdom and proclaiming the kingdom, compassion, mercy, justice, our way of participating in the kingdom through prayer. Now, a reason that one should go to a church's or any organization's value statement or mission statement, any kind of such statement, it's a really great place to find out what a church, what an organization is about, not only in what they say, but how they say it, what they don't say, right? What they choose to highlight. See, we've used, in the, we've used the language of desire for a reason that was intentional, because we believe that we are a people who are being formed by the Holy Spirit and our desires, what we want, what we thirst after, need to be formed by the Holy Spirit. We chose that language on purpose. And when you read the words that we say we value, the things we say out loud, what you can see underneath those words are what we believe about a thing. If I were to distill that statement down even further... I would say that at New Community, we desire to proclaim, demonstrate, and participate in the kingdom. We, we desire to proclaim, demonstrate, and participate in the kingdom of God. The belief that underlays this statement is that each one of us, every one of us, any one of us who calls this their church, we are all uniquely called and equipped by the Holy Spirit to contribute in a meaningful way to this church's proclamation, demonstration, and participation in the gospel, in the kingdom of God. And so the title of my sermon this morning, because I am still not yet as skilled as our lead pastor at coming up with titles, is Called and Equipped. (laughs) I was like, you know, those are words that I've written that works. (laughs) Uh, So in a moment, I'm going to read for you our primary text. They come from um, the book of Exodus. Um, I'm going to read Exodus 25, 1 through 9, and Exodus 31, 1 through 11. Um, But I want to just give some context. I hope that you will go back this week, find some time, and just sort of read through the book of Exodus, starting with 25, read through those chapters. In these chapters, up through the end of the book, which ends with chapter 40, they deal with the building of the tabernacle. 
Um, and I encourage you to take some time to read them. For those of you who have um, read them before, and I'm sure some of you have, I am willing to bet that it is one of those parts of the Bible that you get to and you start saying, yep, 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 okay, uh, yep, 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 we're, we're building things, we're making things, we're doing things, got it, right? I get it, me too, me too. That usually comes at the time of the year where I'm like, all right, we're gonna speed through this. A lampstand, you want some walls, you want an ephod? I got you, I got you, we're building, we're building a tabernacle. But I encourage you to go back and, um, and reread those because there's, there's, there's good stuff there and I hope that you'll see some of that good stuff this morning. But like I said, so today we're gonna focus on these two passages. And now I'm gonna invite you to stand as you're able um, in body or in spirit for the reading of God's word. So starting with Exodus chapter 25, verses one to nine, it reads, the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering from, for me from everyone whose heart prompts them to give. These are the offerings you are to receive from them, gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, yarn and fine linen, goat hair, ram skins, dyed red and other types of durable leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for other fragrant incense, and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. And then going now to Exodus 31, verses 1 to 11. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, the tri of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God and with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Moreover, I have appointed Aholiab, mm -hmm, son of Asiamak, of the tribe of Dan, to help him. Also, I have given ability to all the skilled workers to make everything I have commanded you, the tent of meeting, the Ark of the Covenant law, with the atonement cover on it, and all the other furnishings of the tent, the table and its articles, the pure gold lampstand and all its accessories, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offerings and all its utensils, the basin with its stand, and also the woven garments, both the, the sacred garments for Aaron the priest and the garments for his son when they serve as priests, and the anointing oil and fragrant incense for the holy place. They are to make them just as I commanded you. And I'm actually going to continue on um, through verse 17. Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, You must observe my Sabbath. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come, so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it is to be put to death. Those who do any work on that day must be cut off from their people. For six days, work is to be done, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day is to be put to death. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for the generations to come as a lasting covenant. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth... 
and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. When the Lord finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him the two tablets of the covenant law, the tablets of stone inscribed by the finger of God. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Y'all were standing for a while this morning. All right. So starting in Exodus 25, the Israelites are charged with building the tabernacle. And Moses receives the first set of instructions while he's on Mount Sinai. And this is the same time that he receives the first set of tablets um, on which were written the Ten Commandments. And just after chapter 31, in fact, is where the people lose their minds um, and they think Moses is spending too much time on the mountain. And so they decide to collect gold and make a, a golden calf to worship because that makes exactly the amount of sense that it makes. But you know how we are. <laughs> But they get back on track eventually, and the work of building the tabernacle starts to take place. This first work of ministry of this new people gets underway. And in the chapters between 25 and 31, God gives Moses very detailed instructions for how to build every one of those parts that you just stood and listened to me read. Every one of those parts, from the size and thickness of the walls to the design and color of the priestly garments, it is a very comprehensive and exacting list of instructions. Every detail is well thought out and purposeful. And the final instruction, the one that on first reading might seem to come from left field, completely disconnected from this list of how to make a building and how to make clothes and how to make a candle stand, the final instruction that God gives is to keep and honor the Sabbath. So the amount of work that the people have been called to is significant. And the Lord makes it very clear that that work is to be done on six days. On the seventh day, there is to be rest. And this command to Sabbath tells us something very important about what the building of the tabernacle was and what I think ministry is. Ministry, like the building of the tabernacle, is an act of creation, or perhaps more precisely, an act of recreation. Just as Creator God, after the exacting and precise work of creating for himself a world and a people that he so loved, just as that God rested on the seventh day, we, his people, those whom he has chosen to tabernacle, to reside with, we have been invited to participate in the building of his kingdom on earth. And so as a people created in the very image of God, we are called to rest as he did on the Sabbath. The work that we are called to as the people of God is important work. Just as it is impossible to read Exodus 25 to 40 and not get at least the fact that that tabernacle was important to God, the work that we have been called to, the ministry that you and I have been invited to participate in, it is important. It is like the work of creation. It is so important that just like our God rested, he has invited us to rest. 
Now, all of this is good news, but there's something in there that I really don't want you to miss. It's a very powerful, at least I think so, very powerful truth about what ministry is. See, if it is true that ministry is akin to what what the people were doing when they were building the tabernacle, if we are participating in building God's kingdom here on earth, if that is the case, then ministry is not something that happens just on or even primarily on a Sunday. Yes, some of us are called to ministries that are more connected to what goes on on, during a Sunday service. But even those gifts, even those callings are not supposed to be bound up between the four walls of a church. However you have been called, however you have been gifted, it is for more than just a Sunday. It is for a Sunday. Don't ignore them sign-up sheets. (laughs) But it is for more than just what happens on a Sunday. Once the tabernacle was built, there were certainly those who were, whose ministry was more closely related to the going-ons of the tabernacle, right? Those priests who, who tended to the tabernacle and did the sacrifices and all of the things. But in these passages, what we see is an entire community being called upon to bring their gifts and their talents before the Lord. That is what ministry is supposed to look like. So where did we go wrong? (laughs) I think that part of the reason some people in church feel almost um, immobilized to participate in ministry is because we have grossly misread Paul. So there are two passages in particular that come to mind, and they're Romans 12, 6 and 8, and Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. I'm not going to make y'all stand up again, but I do want to read them for you. In Romans 12, 5 through 8, it says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And in the passage from Ephesians, Paul writes to that church, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Service, encouragement, generosity, faith. Preachers, teachers, apostles, evangelists, prophets. Um, in the traditions that I came up in, that was the five-fold ministry. I think that, that too often we see these, we read these words of Paul as though they are exhaustive lists of what the gifts of the Spirit, what talents that might come from God. I mean, there are other talents, but there's only some that come from the Lord, right? What talents look like, what a calling might be. We look at these as though Paul set out to say, now I will tell you all of the ways and only these ways that one can serve in the church. That, that is so absolutely not the point. Now, I, because I can be cynical, I think we do this because sometimes we're lazy and it's easier, <laughs> But also sometimes we have become a people who lack imagination and creativity, even though we serve the creator God, right? That was not the point of these passages. If you are not one of the fivefold, 
if you don't have a gift of teaching or prophesying, or you don't particularly think you have a gift of evangelism or faith, if you don't think you fit into one of these lists, if you've ever taken a spiritual gift inventory and you just didn't see your thing on there, or maybe you saw one of your things, but you're like, I'm not really into a whole lot of that, right? If that's not you, then what does it mean? I guess it depends on your perspective, how you interpret that. If you are among those who, um, and we all can sometimes be among those who are maybe a little bit lazy, maybe, maybe a little bit, I just want to come and be fed, right? Then you may take that test and say, well, look, I get to come to church and just warm a chair because there are specific ways that you can serve the Lord. And I have not been called to any of those specific ways. <laughs> but on the other hand, If you are someone, and I think we probably all fall into this category sometimes too. If you are someone for whom church has become stale, boring. If you are someone who comes because you feel like it's an obligation, but you just don't really feel like you fit. If you fall into that category, then maybe you feel like there's nothing for you to contribute to church, but to be a warm body in a seat. Because after all, there are specific ways that you can participate in the ministry of God. And I just haven't been given any of those gifts or been called to any of those things. Lies (laughs) from the pit of hell. This was never Paul's point. Think about who he would have been addressing in these letters. He's writing to diverse bodies of people who, apart from Christ, would have had nothing to do with each other. And now, all of a sudden, they have been called to be a community, a people. And to this group of people, many of whom had been formed in traditions where it was, in fact, the case that there were a select few of special someones who were tasked with carrying out the ministry for all of the people, to this group of people, Paul is trying to impress upon the fact that they are now one people, all called and equipped to serve in the kingdom of God. That we are a community and that God has given us as a community, as his people, everything that is needed for the ministry he has called us all to. Paul wrote these letters to help them understand what it looked like to now be followers of Christ, to be a new creation, to be the church. You have been called and equipped for ministry. And the witness of our passages this morning is that the only thing that separates you and I from walking in our ministries is our willingness. See, the instructions that God gave Moses was to tell everyone whose heart prompted them to bring their gifts and resources and abilities to the work of building the tabernacle. The charge was to those whose hearts prompted them. Everyone whose hearts prompted them, not just everyone. This is important. See, they were all gifted. They all had resources and abilities. They remember when these people left Egypt, they left with stuff. 
You know, when I talk about reparations, that's one of the places that I go to. The people sent them out with gold and silver, with fabric, all the stuff that the Lord tells them to bring for the building of the tabernacle. It was not going to materialize out of thin air. The Lord sent them with stuff. They had stuff. And they had talents. They had gifts because God had given them those things. The question was never if they had it. The question was, were they willing to bring it? Were they willing to offer it? That is the only question. And we see this so clearly in chapter 36. And so this is now after they have messed up and they got back on track. And I just want to read verses two through seven to you. It says, then Moses summoned Bezalel and, oh, and oh, oh, Lord, Aholiab, there we go, and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing to come and do the work. They received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary, and the people continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning. So all the skilled workers who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left what they were doing and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order. They sent this word through the camp. No man or woman is to bring anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because what they already had was more than enough to do all the work. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because what they had already brought was more than enough to do all the work. The image here is people showing up every day with stuff that they've made in their homes, with stuff that they realize that they have every day, and they're just coming and they're just bringing it. Here you go, here you go, here you go, such that the folk who were supposed to put it all together are overwhelmed. <laughs> like, okay, thank you so much, please stop. <laughs> Can you imagine, can you even fathom coming to church on a Sunday and rather than hearing somebody hold up a, a, hold up a clipboard and say, go sign up, they're like, okay, we just want to say, I know you all want to sign up to serve in the ministries. No more. They're all full. We're good. Thank you. What? <laughs> can you imagine our public schools and organizations like World Relief and Young Life calling up churches and saying, thank you so much, but could you please get the word out to your people that we don't need anything else? We have more than enough to properly educate and take care of our students. We have more than enough to meet the, the needs of refugees that, we, that we've been blessed with. Can you imagine can you fathom a day where Sonia comes up here during the strides for peacetime and is like, we've raised X amount of thousands of dollars and we're going to give it away to this other organization because we have so much. We have more than enough to carry out the ministry over here in Bronzeville that we've been called. What? Can you imagine it? So a couple of years ago at one of our church retreats, um, I was in a small group with Linda Swanson, um, and she made a comment that has stuck with me. I don't remember what we were talking about. I don't remember the subject of anything. Um, but she said this, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but she said, um, now you know I'm God's favorite daughter. Of course you are too, but I'm, I'm his favorite. And that stuck with me because it's just so spot on. <laughs> 
And I honestly think that that sentiment is at the heart of all of this. See, in Christ, each and every one of us is God's special son or daughter. (laughs) Each and every one of us is God's favorite. There is not a single one of us that has not been gifted abundantly by our Heavenly Father with talents, with visions, with abilities, with resources, with dreams. Not a single one of us. Our daddy is not stingy. (laughs) There is not a single one of us that has not been called to participate in in his kingdom, not as a tool or an instrument in his hands. Not as just a resource for a benevolent dictator who's trying to do something. Right? Like, that's not the image of, that we have. He's our father. We are his sons. We are his daughters. And our daddy said, I want you to come and work with me. That's the image. And there's not a single one of us who has not been called to that. We get to participate in the kingdom of God. We get to participate in the work of ushering in this kingdom, this new creation, this new thing that God is doing in the earth. Do you not perceive it? We get to be a part of that springing forth. So if you are here and this is your church, that means there is no one in this community who is not needed No one in this community whose gifts and talents are not needed. And this has two implications. See, first, if this is where God called you, then it means there is some way for you to serve. Period. If this is your church, and by your church, that means if you went somewhere yesterday or any other time and you said, I'm going to my church on Sunday, it does not matter if you have become a member, you should become a member. But it does not matter what your membership status is. If this is your church, there is not a single one of you who is not called to participate in this ministry. And there is a specific way for you to serve. And here's the second implication that's connected to that one. Because that is true, if you have been diligently and prayerfully discerning where that intersection between your gifts and your talents and your dreams and the ministries that that are happening right now in this church, if you've been prayerfully discerning where that intersection is and haven't found it, then perhaps you are called to create it. Before Minister Marquita with leading us in worship, we didn't have any kind of arts ministry, right? Now, I mean, we, gonna, we believe it's going to grow. But every once in a while, y'all get to see a dance or hear a, a spoken word, right? That was birthed out of her gifts, her talents. And remember, ministry isn't just about what happens in this space on Sunday morning. So um, if you've been here for a while, then you have likely heard that one of the things we are discerning as a a church, um, we're discerning about church planting, right? We've been prayerfully discerning that for a little while now. And it's important for you to understand that that did not happen because one day Pastor David just woke up and was like, we should plant a church. I think we should do it. I'm going to just tell some people and then we'll pray about it. Like that, that's not exactly how that happened, (laughs) What happened was, there's so many people in this congregation who the Lord has brought here who are so gifted, 
people who are gifted preachers and teachers and leaders. And at some point in time, and I think probably a lot of us on the pastoral staff started to discern, it, it almost feels like hoarding. I remember when Pastor David said those exact words. I'm like, it, that's exactly what it is. It feels like we're hoarding, right? There's so many people who are talented and gifted. Like, oh, maybe we need to pray about that. Like, what is the Holy Spirit doing there? And then God sent some people to our church who were prayerfully discerning church planting. And they, being obedient to the Lord, shared that with Pastor David. And so now it's like, well, it seems like the, it seems like the Holy Spirit might be moving, might be doing something. And now we as a church are prayerfully discerning whether or not we will plant a church in the future. I believe we will. You know, I'm, we're, pray, we're all prayerfully discerning. I, you know, I've discerned. <laughs> this, is, this is what we're going to do. But, we're, but we're, that's, that's just me talking. <laughs> if you are called to this church... If this is your church, then there is a specific way that your gifts, your talents, the ministries that you are dreaming about, the thing you're dreaming about that you've never seen as a, there is a way that the things God has put on your heart intersects with what we are called to do as a church because we are the church. You are here for a reason. Everything is needed. And so what might God be inviting you to invite us as your church to prayerfully discern? <laughs> there are no sideline players. Is that a thing? Okay, because I started putting sports analogies in here, got late. And then I realized, like, I'm, I might not know if that's a real... There's no one to warm the bench. I know that's a thing. <laughs> there are no bench warmers in the kingdom of God. <laughs> I'm like, so we are all called and equipped by the Holy Spirit to contribute in a meaningful way to this church's proclamation, demonstration, and participation in the kingdom of God. If this is not your church, if you are just visiting today, wonderful, welcome. Well, wherever you end up... <laughs> Wherever you have been called, wherever you will be called, you are called and equipped by the Holy Spirit to contribute in a meaningful way to that church's proclamation, demonstration, and participation in the kingdom of God. In short, if you are a child of God, I feel like that covers us all. If you are a child of God, one of his favorite daughters or favorite sons, you have been called and equipped by the Holy Spirit to contribute in a meaningful way to the church's proclamation, demonstration, and participation in the kingdom of God. And so what have you been called to, new community? Some of you, hopefully, this is an invitation and a prompting and just the prompting you needed to go ahead and sign up for something in the back. And some of you, this is an invitation to do the thing that you've heard people tell you do every Sunday, prayerfully discern, and maybe you're like, yeah, I'm not doing that. This is your invitation to prayerfully discern what you have been called to, how the Lord desires to use you, how you get to work with your daddy 
and doing the work of kingdom building that he has called this church to. Pray with me. God, I thank you that we can stand before you, all your beloved, all your precious ones, all your chosen ones. I thank you that we can stand before you as your favorites. (laughs) I thank you that though it feels good to be useful, you don't see us as objects to be used. Instead, you have called us as sons and daughters. You have called us as your children. You have have called us as co-creators with Christ to join with you in the work of making all things new. I thank you, Lord, that we get to build your kingdom. We get to build your kingdom. And so for every one of us who has found ourselves feeling like we can just phone it in, that we can come and sit and be fed and then go about our merry way, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would convict us and that you would stir up in our hearts a desire to know you more and to serve you with our whole selves that you would stir up the gifts in us, that you would prompt our hearts, that we would be willing. And for those who have spent years feeling somehow like they are on the outside of ministry, on the outside of service, because they haven't been gifted in particular ways or called to a specific kind of thing, for those of us who fall into that category, I pray that you would bring healing, Lord. I pray that you would remind them, remind us of who exactly we are, that we are daughters and sons of the king, that we would hold our chests up and roll our shoulders back and walk into the things that you have called us into with authority, with the authority that you have given us. Lord, make us a people who are excited about the work you have called us to. I thank you that there is absolutely nothing in this church, nothing that you have called us to. There is nothing that you have given us to do that you have not already given us more than enough to accomplish. I thank you that everything we need is here, that we are not a people who lack. So help us to live not out of scarcity, Lord, but out of abundance as we follow hard after you in the service of your people and the building of your kingdom. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen.